You're listening to the Thank God for Nostra podcast. John B., welcome to the Thank God for Nostra podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Man, it's it's great to be back with you. Uh, we met at the Nostraville conference, uh, Bitcoin Park in Nashville, a couple months ago, and you know I really enjoyed the conversations that we had, and, and wanted other people to get to benefit from them as well. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to be on. Um, and it was really great to connect with you at Nostraville. Glad to to speak with you again. Yeah, and then just for the audience's sake, this will be our first episode in, I think, maybe either either three weeks or a month. Uh, We had a number of uh, confluence of events. We had, obviously, Christmas and and New Year, and and then uh, right around that time, uh, Hadobad got bronchitis. Uh, So if there's any uh, meme lords out there, we need a a good, uh, uh, you know, combination of Hadobad's head placed over the that famous video of the lady saying, I've got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. We, we need to get that. Uh, and again, if we have some AI meme lords who can make, you know, put Hadobad's uh, voice on that, that'd be even better. But uh, he we sh- he should be back uh, next week and we'll be recording our first episode in a while. Um, but John, why don't you kind of give a, a brief introduction of yourself, an introduction of yourself to, to the audience who may might not be familiar with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I go by John B. on Noster. Um, I'm a UX designer. Um, it is both my fiat day job and what I like to do, um, you know, in my off time. So UX designer by day and by night. Um, I am. I, I come to Noster by way of Bitcoin, um, like a lot of people. That's that was my introduction to it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll confess that I was initially very resistant to Noster or, or, or at least Noster skeptical. Um, <laughs> and and I'll, I'll say that because I can see it clearly now, but you know, I've worked on sort of side projects for a while and Noster kind of represented something really new that I would have to kind of reshape my thinking on a lot of questions about how to do kind of software projects. So um, it was a challenge to me, but now, you know, as of like this, past year for a year now I've I've come to embrace and really um, become very excited about the possibilities in Noster. Um, as far as my kind of work that I've done, I contribute to uh, Obla.news um, and also Arcanox and I recently uh, came out with a hackathon project uh, called CrashGlow.com, uh, which is an app for gaming on Noster. So a lot of exciting stuff happens. You know, I like to to see everyone's projects as well, you know, just following along. But um, to the extent that I can contribute, it's it's also a good time. That's awesome. Well, yeah, it's great. I mean, again, great to great to always have new people in the space. And again, you're not super new, but like people bringing their expertise and just their thinking from other, you know, other, you know, past work that they've done or, you know, all these things. I just really, I'm always amazed and excited to kind of hear and and just meet new people uh, who you know, are coming into this super new space and and just bringing ideas and, and thoughts. I really enjoy uh, meeting you know new Nuster people. Um, so let me let me just ask you so we, I again we don't not everyone who comes on here uh, I would say even more beyond that I would say very few of the people who come on here uh, the guests that we have are, are Christians. Uh, but why don't you kind of give us a, a brief look into your your Christian story? Uh, is is that more of a recent thing? Did you grow up Christian? Uh, you know, feel free to share as as little or as much as you want to. Sure, sure. 
Um, and I'll just echo your kind of enthusiasm or your excitement for meeting people in the space, you know, meeting you and a lot of, a lot of other folks at Nostraville was um, a ton of fun. Um, shout out to Bitcoin Park for hosting that. That was really, mm. I think, beneficial. Um, and also this intersection that you just described of people who are into uh, Noster specifically, very niche and um, also are Christian. You know, it's been really cool talking with you and kind of examining that that overlap in the Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as my kind of testimony or my Christian story, um, I've grown up in the church. Um, my family, you know, is Christian coming from some, in some parts of the family, a Catholic background, but eventually um, to the point where I'm growing up in a, a John MacArthur plant. Mm. Um, so that's kind of the faith tradition specifically um, that I'm kind of, I was raised in, um, grew up in Los Angeles in that same kind of area, um, where, where his ministry is. Um, and you know, real quick, who would, who would you compare John MacArthur to for for somebody who doesn't, that name means nothing to them. What, what, who would you compare him to? Sure. That's, that's a good prompting. Um, (laughs) you know, I would say, you know, just to kind of like narrow the scope, you know, in Christendom or Christianity, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of different folks. And um, so we would be narrowing down to Baptist. Okay. Um, and then if even more subgroups, which increasingly over time, I'll admit, you know, I'm kind of less attached to a lot of these names, but mm-hmm. um, Baptist and then Reformed. Mm. And it, a lot of people uh, debate as to the definition of, of who's in that camp. <laughs> um, but um, in the area, John MacArthur is, is, a, is a big name. Yeah. Um, uh, people recognize him and he also has a ministry called grace to you that is, is more known nationally. Sure. Um, he, he's come up with several books, probably his most famous is called the gospel according to, to Jesus. Mm. Um, as far as a comparison, I'm not sure like other names in, in a similar sphere might be John Piper or, okay. uh, RC Sproul. Uh, hopefully that's helpful to, to people who, who may not recognize the name. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was my background is very much growing up within the church. And I think, you know, for me, a lot of, a lot of core Christian doctrines were, um, kind of taken for granted, really just understood, hmm. um, by way of my upbringing, but not really internalized or, or I didn't really think that a lot of them applied to me. Um, it wasn't until later on until I was coming into my adolescence that I, um, think I was actually converted. Mm. Um, you know, my experience is, is one of having a knowledge about, you know, Jesus, about his work and his person, um, but not really um, realizing that I needed it, I guess. Mm. Is this how I would phrase it? So yeah. at a certain point in my life, living one way and saying that I believed uh in, the, in something else or a different kind of life um, was what ultimately led me to an actual conversion. Um, sure. basically, basically, I would phrase it like this. You know, I, I realized that I was a sinner and that I needed the, the grace of God. Um, I realized the worth of it at some point. So mm. at, at that point, I'm very grateful for my, for my upbringing and, and leading me to those uh, truths that I needed at the time. Um, yeah. were, so that's, were that's you, my background. 
Did you did you mention when that happened? Like what? How old were you? Was that like high school? I was seventeen. I was in high school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. For me, um, and I think people have all kinds of different experiences, but for me, it it took me having a degree of independence. Yeah. Um, for me to realize how much I I wasn't putting into practice the things I believed mm. or, or or said that I believed. Yeah. Um, and I know for a lot of people, they have that sort of same experience in college or. They go through a period of, of kind of um, independence and looking at things for themselves. And uh, I, I would say that's a version of what I went through. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like, I mean, you, you, so like, if I'm hearing you right, you're, you're saying there was a level of, I mean, a level of your own, I guess you could use the word in some ways like hypocrisy that led you to, to realize that you, you, you needed Jesus, you know, like you, Definitely. You, again, believed on some degree, but you know, not, not to the degree that you thought you know, was consistent. I would definitely say it that way. Um, And I think it's one of the beautiful things about a lot of what you see in scripture is that God, you know, has a a penchant for taking even people's sinful decisions Mm. and um, intending them for good or purposing them for good, which, Mm. you know, was ultimately what happened with me is uh, a a revelation of my own hypocrisy led me to Christ and mm. uh, to embrace those truths that I was raised in. Okay. So you be, you become a Christian later, later in high school. Uh, and then, you know, where do you go from there? Do you, I mean, did you know leaving high school that you wanted to study, you know, technology, computers, programming, uh, or, you know, where, what kind of, what kind of did your life look like at that point? Sure. Sure. My professional development is very, uh, cir- circuitous. <laughs> I can <laughs> pull out a word that I'm not sure if I'm using correctly. I think um, you're good. But um, yeah, it, it's sort of a winding path. My um, my uh, initial kind of cur- career trajectory was toward medicine. Um, really? Huh. Yeah. You know, I, son of, of immigrant parents from different places, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's sort of stereotypical, yeah. right? But um, where were your parents from? My, my dad is from the Philippines. Okay. And my mom is from Nicaragua. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, you know, big melting pot there in LA. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, started off one way and, you know, I think for a, uh, like a lot of young people, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm almost 30 now, but for a lot of young people, like figuring out what they want to do, or even, you know, people kind of looking for a career switch, it can be a process. Um, and it certainly was that way for me. Yeah. Um, eventually I got into tech through my brother who you met at Nostrum. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's a he's a front end developer. We collaborate a little. I'm trying to fulfill him uh, hey. and get him into Nostrum development. But um yeah, so so you know eventually in my free time while I was pursuing these other things, I would collaborate with him still without even knowing that uh, design was a job or a career or something you could do for money. Um and at a certain point when the medical career track wasn't going that hot, he, you know, he came to me and he said, you know, you could do this for a living. You know, you could get a job doing this design. <laughs> um, and at that time, you know, I was just making prototypes and sketches and stuff like Google drawing, not using the right tools, you know, doing things scrappy. I still do things scrappy. Um, but um, yeah, that, that was my introduction to it. I did a short boot camp um, and I eventually, uh, got a job in the industry and that's what, that's where I work today. Got you. Okay. So you, you get into, get into programming. You again, just kind of 
do this un unprofessionally and you know work it into doing it professionally. Um, you know what what kind of was your introduction? We'll go we'll go this route. What was your introduction to Bitcoin? Yeah, th that is a good question. For me, it was mainly through um, like the personal finance angle. Mm. Um, you know, my kind of I, I I have I had heard about Bitcoin through kind of um, my interest in libertarian uh, speakers and channels and things like that. Um, but I had not really bought into it until around 2020, um, listening to sort of like the Preston Pishes yeah. of the world, uh, Jimmy Song, kind of yep. on the technical side. Um, so th that was kind of the intersection for me is really wanting to address the fundamental thing that I think we all want to address of the erosion of our purchasing power, mm. um, but also having a real interest in the technology side of it um, and kind of uh, eventually slowly but surely, you know, overcoming questions like what about other crypto tokens and things like mm. that. Okay. Um, in 2020, I would say that that's the class that I give myself class of 2020. Okay. So you, <laughs> uh, so personal finance, what, what specifically within personal finance, like led you into, into Bitcoin? Like, was there, were there specific questions that you know, we're, we're bothering that you didn't find answers to within the existing world or. Sure. I think, you know, I, I remember, um, I was, I think early college or maybe late high school at the time being, you know, uh, like a Rand Paul guy yep. in the 2016 run up to the 2016 election. Yep. And I remember, and I was still doing medicine at the time. I didn't go to medical school, but it like sort of pre-med stuff. Yeah. Um, and I remember being in rooms, sort of being, you know, a little bit like laughed out of the room for positions that Rand and Ron Paul um, have said about going back to a gold standard. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think, I think a lot of it was um, the the personal side of it, of like how do I uh, safeguard my labor, the, yep. the fruits of my labor from um, inflation. Yeah. Um, but then also on the macro side too, of what is actually wrong with this whole system? But that that was a question that really piqued my curiosity and uh, fueled a lot of my interest in Bitcoin. Sure, and I'm sure Preston again the big Preston's episodes during that 2020 period were, I mean, incredibly formative for me as well. I, I was, you know, more I, I bought some in 2017, but I consider myself like 2019 class of class of 2019. But uh, but yeah, the the first. Uh, the first only like Bitcoin only episode that he did was with Robert Breedlove. And that was super formative for me. That was a fantastic interview. Um, so you get into Bitcoin, you, you know, start, uh, you start purchasing it. Did you, did you try to program it all on Bitcoin? Like, was that something that interested you at all or, or not really at that point? So this is something I, I want to say that that's related to this. So the answer is no, okay. I, yeah, I would look into kind of, just to understand basic terms and definitions of yeah. what is um, what is Bitcoin Core? Who are the Bitcoin Core developers? What is Lightning? What does it look yeah. like to develop on that? I would look into those things just to have a basic understanding of them. But to be very clear, I cannot code for the life okay. of me. Um, <laughs> and the reason I want to say this is because, you know, this is something I noticed at Nosterville too, is that I'm not the only one. There are, there are a lot of people who are interested in Noster and Bitcoin um, 
who don't know how to code, their skills lie in other areas. Yeah. Um, so I feel like because I have that ineptitude, I'm actually a, a good example of <laughs> like how you know you can still be interested and you can still contribute to different projects while still not being able to contribute in that fundamental way. Yeah. Um, I think this the sort of Bitcoin and Nostra development scene is really dominated by developers for good reason. Yep. You know, a lot of it is sort of altruistically motivated. So there isn't that kind of business, um, uh, that, that business party at the table driving decisions. It's these developers. Um, so I feel like a lot of times it can feel like, you know, if you can't code, then it almost feels like you can't contribute. I, I think yeah. a lot, there's a lot of good awareness about design and Nostra too. People like Carnage and um, I think his name is Neil. Uh, I, yep. I've only seen it in text, so I think I'm saying that correctly. But um, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of good awareness about it too and a lot of people calling out the the need for good design. Um, but I, I still feel like it can, just from my own internal thought process, it can feel like, man, I, I don't know if I could really um, contribute here without knowing how to code. But the, all that story to say is, you know, this this is where I am. Yeah, no. And I think it's a fantastic, I mean, I think we can kind of uh, enter in here. Like this is something where, I, again, there it brings to mind uh, the Apostle Paul in the book of Corinthians talking about how uh, the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you, right? Like there's, mm. there's this intimate uh, relationship between things that seem very different. Uh, and so I think of uh, another thing would be, you know, just the relationship between like the skeletal system and the muscular system. You know, you can have you can have a skeleton that is sturdy, uh, but if it's not covered with yeah, muscles and and all these other things, it's going to be very uncomfortable. Right? You think about if 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 we didn't have if we didn't have a, a skeletal system and we just had everything else, you know, we would be we'd be these little like lumps of of you know materials that didn't have any structure to them, and, and vice versa. If we only had the skeleton, we'd be very uncomfortable to to do things like hug or to <laughs> like it, it would be very difficult. And so I think. It's just a perfect, I think of the developer and the engineering, uh, the relationship between engineers and designers. I think that's just another good example of, you know, there's different people who, you know, we, we need both of them. They work together and they make something much more valuable and, and useful than either one of them can build on their own. Right. No, I think, I think that's a good comparison. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you get into Bitcoin and then at what point did you, did you hear about Nostr? Was it probably the beginning of this year or was it, or sorry, the beginning of 2023 or was it earlier than that, later yeah. than that? Yeah, probably around uh, late 2022, early 2023. Like okay. I've been sort of invested in Nostr, paying attention to it for about a year. Okay. Um, and I wish, I wish I could name some of the people on Twitter, formerly Twitter, who yeah. were shouting out Nostr all the time. Yep. Um, and were kind enough to answer some of my questions when I would engage them. Yeah. Um, because these were very, you know, not like popular accounts, but yeah, they still, I wish I could give them credit, but I don't know if, I can't remember what the names were. Yeah. Um, but they were on there talking about, you know, just, yeah, the, the trade-offs and a lot of the discussion that, that was happening around um, a more decentralized approach to social media. Um, it, it kind of brings to mind how there is, I think, a tendency among a lot of people on Nostr to kind of say, you know, get off X, like, you know, it's it's yeah. like a waste of time to be on there. And I agree, like it's a 
it's sort of like a vortex of of time wasting. I often fly sure. when I when I go on there, but at the same time, um, yeah, I think there's some outreach to be done still. And hundred you know, percent. I I appreciated when people talked about Nostra on X when what when I needed to hear. Yeah, I, I think again, I think one of the, this is somewhere where you can get into and you can make uh, the phrase you don't make the perfect the enemy of the good. You know, and and again, I, I think there's valuable reasons. I think we need, you know, we need people moving to Noster and having people get there, even just to experience it, to to think about it, develop it. I think that's very valuable. Uh, and again, to have people who are only doing it, shout out to Odell, uh, or only only you know creating there and sharing there. Um, you know, I think that I'm glad for those people. Uh, but again, you do need bridges. You need bridges to you know for people to to both see, hear about it you know, have their interest peaked. Um, again, just even starting the conversations about why and, and how it works, um, again, can serve to be, I, I think of, again, you can think about this in like missionary language or like embassy language. You know, like you, you need people who serve as kind of Noster embassies on, on, uh, Twitter. I refuse to call it X. <laughs> I will call it Twitter until my dying day. Um, nice. so, but like, you need people who are these, you know, serve as these embassies, their, their accounts serve as like these embassies for Noster in, in a, in the Twitter world, the Twitter land. Uh, I think that's a useful thing. And I think to, you know, to kind of make those completely, uh, like to pit them against each other's complete enemies, um, or just as if you, you can just, you, everyone ought to just get rid of their Twitter accounts. I, I, I just... Number one, I don't think it's going to happen. Number two, I don't think it's the most beneficial thing to happen. I think we we still need, you know, people doing that. And again, this is another place where I, I don't think we need to demonize one or the other. I think we we need both of them, uh, and and both of them are going to serve the 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 greater goal of you know having a more educated public about, uh, you know, to think about these issues. So, yeah, yeah, I'm optimistic that um, even a platform such as Twitter. I'll say I'll not yeah. I'll not use X. Um, <laughs> I'm optimistic that even as much as it seems like it's not in their interest to come over to something like Noster, um, you know, I think as wild as it sounds, that it's possible that in the future, if it's sort of like the Noster version of uh, hyper Bitcoinization, that yep. there there won't be another option. Um, yep. I see a lot of news coming out about different platforms coming on to ActivityPub. You know the Mastodon okay. protocol. Yep. Um, like I saw a couple of headlines in the past month about Flipboard. I don't know if you use that old app with the like the nice animations. I do uh, not. No. But I, I'm not sure how how big it is. But you know, obviously, uh, Threads, the yep. the Facebook company. Um, you know, they're exp- experimenting with um, getting on board onto ActivityPub. Um, oh. It. On the one hand, I'm kind of of two minds when I see headlines like that. It's like it's it's discouraging that Nasser is oftentimes sidelined in these conversations. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the fundamental thesis or pitch of Nasser, I think, is it, it seems like you know even very established, almost institutional companies are are recognizing the move towards something like this. Yeah, it it is challenging, right? I mean, I, I just think about. I mean, we we have we haven't talked about this because we haven't been, had the pod, but uh, in, in the last few weeks. But I mean, we had Fiat Jaff near the end of the year or the beginning of this year, just basically saying that this will be this might be his last year working on uh, on Damas. You know, mm-hmm. if, there, if something doesn't change in terms of the economics of of you know just that that project, and 
I think you, I'm, I know. I'm me, sorry to sorry to interrupt. Ahead, yeah, Will, right? Will. Oh, yeah, Will what did I say? That? I think he said, I said she had jab. I'm so sorry. Yes, and we'll we'll edit that out in post. Yeah, Will. Will basically said this this could be his his uh, his last year working on it. Yeah. Um, and so I think I know for me that was shocking. Like that just came out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. But again, at the same time, it makes sense, right? Like if you know at this point it's there's you know there's he's getting a grant to work on it and uh, you know, he's receiving some funds, but it still isn't uh, an economically viable project product at this point or project. Uh, and so I think, yeah, I, I'm interested to see as the year goes by. I'm sure he's gonna have people who are you know reaching out into help fund the project uh, but beyond that i'm interested to kind of see the the economic model that would go forward uh i i responded to that initial message and just basically asked like hey like, is there a way that you, know, you could do a, a sponsorship model or something like or uh not a sponsorship what's it called a um oh what is it called like a, a model where you pay a certain amount a month or something like that to use it. Cause mm-hmm. like, I, I would do it. I mean, a, su- a subscription subscription. That's the word. That's <laughs> why we pay you the big bucks here, John. <laughs> um, that's my job. Yeah, exactly. But so what yeah. you, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Like uh, uh, any of those topics go for it. I think it's a super fascinating question to me. Yeah. It's, it, it seems like the leg of the journey Noster is on and I'm a relative newcomer um, to not only Noster, but also open source development in general, like a lot of, a lot of the guys that are having this conversation are are vets of Bitcoin open source and were developing on Lightning beforehand. Um, so I I look at this with a relatively fresh set of eyes or a new set of eyes. Um, but to me, monetization is uh, a really fascinating question. I, to me, it's exci- as a designer, it's sort of like a design challenge is how I think about it. Yep. Um, uh, there were there were some posts I can't remember who all was in the conversation, but Arkanox sent me the the link to these notes. But yeah, conversations around like how can we make a Noster experience and certain apps more um, almost gamified, right? Yep. So yes. different skins, different aesthetic things. How can we leverage the idea that people want to support these projects through something yep. like you mentioned, like a subscription? Yep. Um, I think Signal does a really good job of this, of having yeah. kind of a badge, and you know we have Nostra native badges, mm-hmm. um, a badge for supporters. Um, it could be done on a yearly basis, I think, or a different timeline, like 2022. Um, you know, Dama supporter, and sure. it's maybe a profile badge or something that, that other people can see. Um, to me, that's one angle of it. Is like it's an interesting design question, um, and even though I can sympathize with the kind of hard hitting nature of news like that about projects and their ultimate roadmap and timeline. Yeah. Um, in my view and kind of like in my fiat job, it's like very familiar territory. Yeah. Um, like software development is actually very expensive. Um, yeah. in, in my work, you know, the product managers and the business leaders, they talk about projects and initiatives in terms of like, how much budget do we have for this? Um, and you, if you kind of break down the developer, designer, and product manager time spent on a particular project, you know, even just to work on something for six months is like millions of dollars for um, a lot of at least U.S.-based companies. So all, all that to say, um, like these projects, even though a lot of people are doing it for free and they're contributing for free, they're expensive. Yeah. Um, and that I think comes out a lot of times in, in the fact that they can't always support these things without the monetization. So yeah, I think it's a very important question. 
Um, something that gives me comfort, though, is the fact that there is this community um, ethos of having everything be open. Yeah. Um, and I think even if one application kind of hands off a, a, the baton to another, or you know, different apps are here for different sprints of the journey, that's encouraging to me. Is that I feel like we're less likely to lose progress that way. We can continue to build off of each other's work. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think I think I'm not concerned for the overall. Again, the overall project because again, I'm sure there's somewhere along the line where even if you know, even if Will's in, in Damas, you know, there there's not a way for there. I'm sure that there's other projects that are going to scoop <laughs> that be that would want to scoop him up and and do things. Um, but again, yeah, I, that just that came out of nowhere for me. So I, I'm I'm interested to see. I'm sure there's been more written on that on that conversation, but I, I would love to find out more. Um, let's get into your the the project that you're working on with Arcanox, um, specifically as it relates to uh, the gaming. Um, I, I want to ask you the gaming. I sound like such an old man. Um, <laughs> let me just ask you this before we get into the specifics of the project. How did you get interested in video games? Oh man, that I think that's um, yeah. I would say that was actually my introduction to software design okay. or working on software um, in college around this time of you know, not knowing what I'm going to do with my life. Um, that's one of the things I collaborated on with my brother and other developer friends mm -hmm. um, is working on games, working on okay. games for game jams and for college events. And, you know, it, it didn't occur to me at the time, but that is really, that's just software development. You're working with developers, you're communicating about uh, a vision for an application, providing a, an experience to the user. Um, but, you know, there are, uh, pretty fundamental differences, but well, when you boil it down, a lot of the structure is the same. Um, but I mean, before that, I am, uh, I think, in a generation to where, uh, at least in my perspective, gaming is ubiquitous. Yeah. Um, I grew up with games, PS2, GameCube. That's kind of like my generation. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, I grew up playing them. I I grew up in a house of of two brothers. You know, so three of us in all. You know, that was like. That was the thing we did. So, um, yeah, it's it's a hobby. It continues to be a hobby of mine. Um, and that is something that I feel like there's um, a real space in the market for uh, when it comes to everything that Noster provides. So openness, um, the the inter or the interoperability between apps. Yeah. Um, there's a post Vitor did or Vitor did today talking about how you know we need a version of steam that yeah. isn't isn't a walled garden and that protects against um, the fact that you can't move your games that you've purchased between different apps yeah. um, and not only that I think there's like a games preservation angle to this too where if you have a game with DRM on it that is made for a specific um, store or even a specific system there's it's like a well-known problem that you can't play a lot of these things into the future yeah. Um, so I think gaming on Noster could really address a lot of those things. So that was the impetus behind the project. Yeah. So what do you, um, man, there's a bunch of ways we can go with this. Yeah. What, what do you, how, how do you think about games? I mean, so here, here's, I'll give you a full, full disclosure. So I grew up playing, I think my first system, we, we ended up getting gifted a, uh, original Nintendo had like you know duck hunt did mario we had all the all the awesome things uh and then 
uh, went to uh, a N64. We had some of those things. And then moved to PS2, moved to, you know, a bunch of those games, played Lord of the Rings and, you know, a bunch of fun games like that. Um, but like, what, how do you think about it as a, I mean, as a, as both, I guess, as a developer, but then as, as a Christian, as, as if, you know, whatever angle you want to address this from thinking about how, the, the, how big of an industry and how big of a role video games are, are playing, uh, in, in society. Like to me, it's been staggering Again, it, and I wouldn't say surprising, but it's like just the, the level the level, I mean, the amount of money that's made there, the, the amount of things that you can do. Um, yeah, I just think, I, I think there, it's just such a really interesting world that you could, you could do so much more like real world based video games or something that <laughs> I think like it's, it's easy to come out like, like shoot them up games and all these kinds of stuff. And I'm, I'm not trying to sound like some old man, like, you know, we need to get rid of it again. I'm not trying to do that at all, but like, I, I would just love to know, and maybe you do like, it, do you know, like, are there, like, are there games out there where they're, they're, I don't know. They're more, they, they lean more towards real world solving real world problems than they do just kind of creating these, completely fictional universes hmm yeah you're totally right we can talk about a lot of different directions here yeah um and i like uh, so i like the phrasing of your question of of coming at the question from the perspective of a christian yeah um it makes me think about some conversations that i've had with other christians just throughout the course of my life um and just yeah just some really diverse opinions on the on the subject of gaming for for some i think it has been there's sort of like an addictive element to it mm-hmm. um, to just state it plainly. And, yep. you know, I feel like for a lot of people, they carry that over into their opinions of the kind of medium more broadly. Yeah. Um, sort of saying like, goodness, you know, if you're playing games, that's like, it's a waste of time. It's like, you know, it's questionably a sin issue. Like, well, how yeah. much are you playing? So those kinds of conversations. Um, and I would say, you know, I think, I, I think there is, you know, kind of like a, a bit of a bias when it comes to games because of, you know, just the different reputation that it's had over the years sure. and mm-hmm. that is going to slowly change, I think. You know, compared to movies, you know, there are Christians out there who who would like question, hey, how much time are you spending watching movies? But I feel like it's less so. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, fundamentally it's maybe more juvenile. I think like there's like mm-hmm. a perception of it being more juvenile than something like film. Exactly. You know, I don't I don't know that you could necessarily defend that, but Exactly. Um I, I would say it's not. Um yeah. Or, or at least it has the potential to not be. Yeah. Um, you know, I view it as an artistic medium, really. And I yep. think some people might roll their eyes at that kind of statement. Um, but I think you can communicate an artistic message through a game as well as as as, as well as you could through a movie um, yep. or anything else. Um, one example that I'm thinking of that was made by a Christian, um, and it's very low poly, it's a, like very low, but it's solo dev project. It's called okay. that that dragon cancer um and it's sort of it's it's a narrative driven game where um it's essentially a father not to spoil the whole thing but a father is is kind of going through the journey of um recounting how his very young son his battle with cancer oh, wow. uh, his son's battle with cancer so that that is like a game and i'm i'm using air quotes um that drives home i think a message that will believe you taking away something into your real life, which is, I think what you were touching on. Um, 
less on the artistic side and maybe more in the kind of literal sense about real world application. Uh, this is something that um, Arcanox's other projects that I'm not involved in, um, I think, touch on where AR is kind of an element with a lot of these mm. things, augmented reality, yep. uh, mapping experiences that you might consider a game onto real world places and geography, connecting sure. people in real life, Pokemon Go, as much yep. as people will again kind of roll their eyes at, at <laughs> that. Um, that was something, I, I, I was in college when Pokemon Go came out and it was actually kind of surreal seeing all the college kids being driven out of their dorms into the communal spaces of the college yep. to yep. go, you know, catch Charizard or whatever. And yet <laughs> it's it's stupid and everything. I can I can say that, but at the same time, it was fun and it, it yep. got people to do something in the real world, which I think you're kind of hitting on. Um, so I think there's just a ton of opportunity to take that, to continue that and to take it further um, with Noster in particular. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I've, I've heard, I do remember hearing about that dragon cancer. And again, that type of thing I think would be just such a powerful I mean, just a, it, just the the medium. It's just a really powerful medium to get you to kind of to think more deeply about, uh, yeah. But I mean, any range of topics. Um, yeah, I would love to see more more projects like that. Again, I'm sure I'm sure they exist. I just I'm just not connected with the to the video game world at all. Um, and then yeah, Pokemon Go. I we were in Uruguay uh, when Pokemon Go came out, and I will confess to driving around the city. Uh, ever. <laughs> Over the course of our first two, you know, that first two or three week period, yeah. uh, you know, capturing, capturing Pokemon with my kids in the backseat and, you know, it, <laughs> giving them uh, a, a taste of, you know, the, the Pokemon that I had grown up with as a youth. But, uh, that's but all. yeah, again, I, I do think that's, I can see that the, the AR angle on things. I think that's interesting. And, and then just to see the applications of what that could look like. Uh, yeah. A, AR. Yeah, I think again, I know there's there's how, uh, medical applications to this. There's a number of different things that I, I think are pretty, pretty obviously helpful, and and again, are, are it seems like there's going to be more of those going forward as well. Um, so let me just ask you, how did you how did you meet Arcanox and get involved with the project that he was working on? It was it was solely through the hackathon. Um, okay. Well, I was alerted to who Arcanox was through his work on Onisendai and some of the podcasts that he's done. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I didn't get connected with him until the hackathon that Bolt Fund put on. So shout out to them for, um, facilitating those kinds of meetings and having that space for, uh, developers and other people involved like designers, um, to work together. So I, I reached out to him cause I saw him on the Bolt Fund kind of forum board as yeah. wanting to team up. So I, I reached out to him and that's how we were introduced. Okay. And so, so where was that hackathon, or when and when was it? How long ago was that? So it was it was online, and it was in association with Nostrasia. Um, oh, oh, wow. Okay. And he actually presented. You know, he gave our our presentation when we were a pitch deck live in Tokyo. Oh, um, no way! Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so what what does that project look like uh, for again? For I'm guessing the majority of our listeners have never heard of it, and you know if you're going to introduce it cold turkey to somebody, how how would you explain it? Sure. So to a kind of uh, audience that's hip to Noster, um, it is gaming on Noster, um, <laughs> and in in some sense, like it's achieved. Um, like shout out to Arcanox. <laughs> he, you know, I again I don't code at all. Um, 
when we talked about this idea, you know, that's sort of like um, what I'm contributing is is talking about it. And then he went and built everything, you know, from from <laughs> integrating with Noster and the NIPS and, you know, the whole stack, the front end. You can go visit it today. It's crashglow.com. Um, it's it's deployed. So in some sense, um, and, and, you know, people were good to point this out to me when I started talking about it, but like there are also other gaming projects on Noster. Yeah. Um, that are just a just a different kind of pitch. Like we are that um, concept of going after the game storefront, the Steams, the Epic Games, the itch.io kind of space. Uh, we're that. Um, but you know, there are other experiments going on. Like I, I saw Chad put out like um, I think he has a a streaming client called Oh man, <laughs> I think it's stream.gg something like that. But he's doing like Pokemon, you know, like Twitch plays Pokemon. He's doing something yeah. like that, but on Noster, which is really uh, okay. But um, ours is, you know, like I said, going after that that idea of a storefront, or at least, I mean, you don't have to pay for the games, but at least a a place to have your library of games and to play them on the web. Um, and it, like I said, it's deployed today. What we were able to get done in the hackathon was the incorporation or the integration of one engine. So. For those that are unfamiliar with game development, um, most games today are built using an existing programming framework referred to as an engine. And so, you know, they're not made like from the ground up with no, um, usually, usually they, they employ an existing framework. Um, and one very popular kind of indie small time developer engine um, is called Pico 8. And it's a completely virtual um, engine and experience. Um, this is an engine that's popular among people who like to upload their games to online websites like itch.io. So for us, it was it was kind of an accessible engine to incorporate first. Um, so that's that's what the the product looks like today. If you go to crashglow.com, you can see some Pico Eight games that Arcanox again <laughs> has yeah. developed himself over the years, um, and he's uploaded onto the site. And if you look at it today, what you're looking at. And you know you'll see a couple cards with these games on them with titles and pictures, but what you're actually looking at is the game code uploaded to Noster. Um, <laughs> so, so the game lives on Noster, and you're really interacting with a client. You're you're interacting with a Noster client, which is acting as a front end to display that game to you. But everything that he developed, you know, is reproducible. You know, someone else yeah. can make another client and surface the exact same set of games. So. Sure. A lot, a lot of the benefit that you get from Noster, again, about the interoperability and um, the preservation of your your profile and your purchases. You know, imagine imagine having your Steam library that you can take to Epic Games. Yeah. Not only is that such a tremendous win for consumers, but also it increases the amount of competition between yeah. the the clients. Um, so you know, it's all open source. Yeah, at the, everything from the very clever chunky algorithm that he devised to actually store the games on Noster, uh, because games, you know, breaking down into their constituent parts, um, are very, you know, it's it's too large to to store on Noster and the traditional kind of like publishing in a note format. So yeah, that there's like a chunking algorithm. There's a bunch of technical stuff that I can't get into really because yeah. I don't, I could, I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> but you know, all of that is in, at play, and what you're really looking at are games that have been published to Noster. So what did, okay, so again, I, as somebody who is not a technical person, explain, like, how did you, like, what would what did your role in this look like? You just said, hey, it'd be cool to, you know, put video games on Noster. 
And then, you know, like what, what, what were some of the other specific things that you said, Hey, it should have, it should feature this. It should do this. You know, it's kind of outline some of that for us. Yeah, guys, that's, that's what I'm here to tell y'all is that, <laughs> is that you can be, you can be like me. You can, you know, just pretty much just talk and explain your ideas. And what, what, what it really looked like for me was I, I pitched, um, Arcanox on the idea and made just sort of like a pitch document, um, in, in various parts of the, like the software development world, you might refer to this as a concept document. Um, so this was mm-hmm. just a, a Google Doc with the the basic user flow explained, some suggestions about uh, to the degree that I am able to suggest technical aspects of the flow. I did that. Yeah. Um, I also contributed. You know, visual design is also something I do as my day job and um, for for these different projects. So. Figma is a tool that's known among a lot of designers. Um, So I can get in there and and make some um, mock-ups to be used for visual reference. Um, Visual design is not even my strong suit, though. Like, there are a ton of people on on Nasser um, who who can make a a great-looking logo and everything like that. Um, I do it out of necessity most of the time. (laughs) And, you know, my, my real strengths are in communicating these ideas, formulating them. You know, what I do for my day job is not even, I, I do designs and make mock-ups, but I do a lot of user diagrams and flows, and user mm-hmm. journeys, um, and, and concept documents and things like that. Um, and, and as a part of the hackathon, what I was mainly busy doing is keeping the updates going for the Boltfoot page and also reaching out to gaming communities. So I was you know, I just put on some different hats, which, you know, I, I, I'd like to do. And also for the, for the purpose of furthering the project I was willing to do, uh, to go out into like the Pico 8 development community and to talk to them. Um, interviews are another part of my job where I'll sit down with a oh. user, I'll test either a mock-up or the deployed uh, software product with them, Yeah, ask them questions, get their feedback and ask them to do some tasks that I can then measure and take back to the development team to kind of inform our next steps. So I did that during the hackathon also. Um, it's, it's interesting. Among among developer game developers, especially indie developers who have no exposure to Nasser or to Bitcoin, there's a lot of um, hostility. To really? And, and you, you know, like to me, I had the same reaction when it happened to me live during the hackathon I was, as I was trying to collect this information. Yeah. But, you know, when you think about it, it's like, it makes a lot of sense. And this is kind of like that, um, that, you know, uh, that hostile Bitcoin ethos, I think coming yeah. through is a lot of them have been burned on. Uh, okay. A lot of them have been burned on scammy crypto and, you know, just the whole crypto space has a bad reputation, in a lot of different, different circles. Sure. Where, you know, I think in our bubble and on Nostr, we can kind of forget that. I, I yeah. can forget that. Um, so that was a good experience. And I think what the state of the project right now is we have our Telegram group that we have people who are interested in gaming and game development talking in there. Um, I, I'm trying to work on a game this year, a very small game made in like a very small engine. Um, and, and that's kind of where we are now is, is trying to slowly but surely continue to test the hypothesis that um, gaming on Noster can afford these benefits to developers in the form of monetization and um, exposure, and also yeah. to gamers or, or players 
when when it comes to making um, their gaming experience fast and easy without any necessary logins, but also giving them the ability to um, have a library and to compensate developers that they really uh, love and, and they love their games. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is, it's really interesting we're having this conversation because I, I just got off the phone, uh, I just got off a uh, video call with a musical artist who, uh, again, we were explaining, he's going to be coming to the to TGFB 24, uh, he's going to be speaking on the first day of the, of the conference. Uh, he is, a, again, music a musician, he's now a pastor, and he just basically was sharing that the state of the music and, and the music industry is just, it's a nightmare uh, in terms of the, the money uh, and just trying to monetize everything. And just, there's so much red tape. There's so many uh, barriers to being able to just keep the, the majority of the money that's coming your way. And I know that there's a lot of the same dynamic, probably all of the same dynamics within, uh, you know, the video game world as well. Um, I would imagine, you know, I can notice through specifically with like app stores, yeah, I think I just saw, I think I just saw this morning something about there's some news about Apple, uh, you know, being forced to link to developers. Do you, do you know what I'm referencing? Did you hear about that at all? Uh, as far as recent news, you know, like the last couple of days, I'm not sure, but I, I think gaming is a really interesting uh, kind of case study in in this conversation. Yeah, especially with Epic, Epic Games, and their ongoing battle with not only Apple, but also Google. Yes. And in, in which they recently scored, you know, kind of like a, a court win yes. against Google. Um, but yeah, it's evident. And, you know, Epic is, I think, I think it's clear at this point. I'm not sure exactly about the numbers, but they're the biggest developer on the planet. They make Fortnite. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. You know, I'm like a lot of people in the space, I think like a, a free marketer, not too big on government intervention. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the use case is there. I think yep. these conversations at least point to the market use case for alternatives. Sure. Yeah. And again, so we're going to be, we're actually hoping to get, man, maybe we'll have you. That w- I don't know if you're, I think we talked about, I think you're, you're planning to come. Would love to have you uh, because one of the, that we're going to have a couple different tracks uh, for the second day of the conference. So the second day of the conference is going to be uh, basically Bitcoin and and we're gonna have like some Noster different different Noster things there as well, uh, but yeah, I, I think I w- it would be great to have you come and and speak, uh, yeah, just come and speak on this issue because, yeah, Bitcoin Bitcoin and Noster uh, just enable uh, just this direct from creator to to their customers uh, in ways that you know would be incredibly are incredibly valuable and will be even more valuable going forward. Uh, and I think that, again, Nasser is so small, Bitcoin's still so niche and small that there's a ton of people out there who this could be the thing that would, you know, could convince them to get into Bitcoin and Nasser is, is right. seeing the potential for, you know, for to monetize their art uh, in ways that aren't currently possible to them. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is it's fascinating, super exciting. And again, hopefully we can we can make that happen and get you there and, and you know, have you participate in that way. I'd love to. Um, we'll have to sync. I'll have to check dates again and make sure. Yeah. Um, but no, I think I think you exactly hit the nail on the head. Um, to me, that's one of the most exciting things about Noster um, and and its prospects in the future is I feel like this thing that we've been the community has been talking about for a long time 
of the value that individual producers will get to experience from putting their 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 product out there yeah. hasn't hasn't been exp- it, it it hasn't reached I think anywhere near its full potential. Um, yeah. And I, I yeah, it feels like we're so early on a lot of these things. And um, but it, it I, I see the evidence of different platforms coming up and music and um, you know we're trying to do this this thing in gaming. And I feel like, yeah, there's so much potential here. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's we're hoping to have somebody from Wave Lake there uh, at, at the at the conference yeah. to kind of, again, just unpack this. Because there's going to be, Lord willing, there's going to be a bunch of uh, musicians who are going to be there. Uh, Nashville's a big music town. And we've got, um, crazily, we've got a, a, some very big connections with with people who are in the, in the entertainment and music uh, world who are going to be kind of spreading the word, helping to spread the word about the event and um, and so, yeah, that's going to be part of the thing that we're hoping to unpack more is, is kind of introducing people who are not technical to these tools that are, are more helpful than they're, uh, yeah, than, than they're aware of at this point. So, um, well, John, I really appreciate your, your time. Why don't you just follow, uh, or follow, why don't you just unpack for everybody where they can find your, your work, uh, how they can find you on Noster and other places, anywhere that you, you want to, and you mentioned, you mentioned, um, Oh my word! What's the name of your website with the video games? Uh, Crash, 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 Glow. Crash Glow, Crash Glow dot com. Okay, and then kind of unpack anything else that you want to leave people with as as we wrap up here. Yeah, you know that's um, that's kind of the main thing that I'm I'm looking to make steady progress on. Like I mentioned, just kind of working to make a game to test out this thesis of publishing it um, onto Noster and and trying to get people's feedback on it. So. Um, uh, other people who are interested in that, in game development specifically, it can be very accessible. Like I said before, I don't code for anything, but a lot of these engines allow you to do very low coding or even no coding. Um, so if you're interested in that, please join us on the Telegram group. Um, to find it, you can find me on Noster, John B. So that's J-O-N and then the letter B um, on Noster. And... You know, I have I have a post linking to it, but maybe I'll I'll update my my bio to have the link to the Telegram group as well. That's the main thing. And then you know, um, I, I feel like I have like a lot of other people on Noster, kind of like a little bit of scatterbrain syndrome when it comes to product uh, projects. <laughs> um, and pr- pretty soon I'll I'll be looking to talk about some other projects. But um, Ooh, for now, <laughs> just just a teaser at the end. Um, but yeah, for now the. Um, the thing I'm most focused on is, is this gaming project. Well, cool. Well, we'll put the link to the Telegram group in the show notes as well. And then, uh, people can find it that way. Um, try to think any other thing you want to mention before we close down? Um, thanks for having me, Jordan. Again, it's, it's cool to connect again. And, um, I'd like to maybe offline ask, you know, like how, how your adventures have been going. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the podcast listeners will, will be interested too. Um, but I appreciate the podcast. I, I, I definitely appreciate also um, the Christian lens that you're bringing to this. This is something that Arkanox and I um, have had conversations about of how it almost feels, you know, it, if it's very fitting, I think, yeah. that um, our, our mutual faith in Christ leads us to be compelled by these things that increase yeah. people's freedom and their um, their autonomy and kind of challenge how I would phrase it as corrupt power structure. Yep. Um, 
that we read about, I think Paul talks about. So um, I appreciate this and, and I appreciate you having me on. No, of course, man. Again, and hopefully this won't be the last that we can you know hear more again about these projects that are coming down the pike. Um, as far as, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, we have tickets are on sale now for the Thank God for Bitcoin Conference 2024, um, which will feature uh, Noster Elements. Thank God for Noster Elements. And uh, so, yeah, you can find tickets at tgfb.com slash store. Uh, tickets are going to be going up. It's either it's either beginning of February or the beginning of March, um, but they, you know, beginning of February or end of February. Um, so go ahead and go grab your tickets now while they're at their, their lowest. Um, again, you can find out more information about Thank God for Noster uh, on Noster. You can go search for us over there. We're, we're over there. And then again, hopefully we'll have a new episode with John uh, slash Mr. Huddlebod uh, here in the next week or so. Uh, we are grateful for you guys and appreciate your support. You can, again, listen and stream this podcast on uh, places like the Fountain app. You can stream, stream us stats over there. Uh, and again, support what we're doing over here. So have a great day, y'all, and we'll see y'all on Noster.